Hey there, horror movie tea sippers. The following podcast episode will contain spoilers for the movie we are about to review. If you have not seen the movie and do not wish to have anything ruined prematurely, please do not continue to watch or listen until you have seen the movie. And welcome to the Horror Movie Tea Podcast. Today we are covering Corpse Bride. But before we go into the review, let's grab our cups and talk about tea. I am drinking Allegro tea, which is the pomegranate green tea. It's got green tea, pomegranate flavor, and cranberry flavor. And I'm drinking another Bigelow favorite. Sponsor me. <laughs> it is their chamomile, vanilla, and honey herbal tea. And they have chamomile, natural vanilla, and honey flavors with other natural flavors and licorice root. I'm very glad that in a lot of teas, the licorice isn't actually, like, really strong or anything. Yeah. Like, you can't really taste it, because normally I hate the taste of licorice. So, it's nice that it's just like a subtle undernote and you can't really taste it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But for our lovely tea sippers out there, brew yourself a cup of tea, sit back, relax, and we hope you enjoy the review. So for the summary of Corpse Bride, this... We all pass away. <laughs> uh, Victor is being married off to Victoria. You'd never guess, but they're in the Victorian era. No. I know, right? <laughs> And uh, he's a very, like, nervous, timid man. And so he goes off to, to recite his vows. Yes. And he accidentally puts the ring on what he thought was a branch, but was actually a corpse. Yeah. And so it's this whole, like, love triangle of Emily, the corpse bride, being like, oh, we need to get married. But then, like, Victor obviously preferring Victoria and Victoria having her own deep drama that's related to Emily. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> just a very brief summary for anyone that needs refreshing. But, so for entertainment, with it being stop motion, naturally I have to compare it to The Nightmare Before Christmas, especially since they're both... Tim Burton movies. Yes. Which apparently the involvement of, or how involved Tim Burton was in each of those is a little bit, like, controversial, yeah. like, calling them Tim Burton films. Yes. Yeah. But anyways, regardless, it, his name is slapped on both of them. And they do have similar feels, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But it creates a very different mood. But in a good way. Like, it, it has a brand new situation, but for me... There's, there's only a handful of songs that I really like, while the others, while they're super catchy, they're ones that I don't, I don't necessarily want to listen to in the car. But like, the Victor piano song, like, I bought the sheet music for that song, just the piano, to, oh, I'm a sucker for a good piano song. <laughs> the main theme. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so, I forgot if I said my rating, but I would rate it a 7.5. Like, it's a movie that I'll watch over and over again, 
but there are quite quite a few movies that I would watch before this one. This is like, uh, and this is me seeing it with nostalgia glasses too. Because whenever I was a teen and I was watching this movie, oh, I was obsessed with this movie. I, of course, that was me like going through my like edgy phase and being like, oh yeah, it just like fulfills the darkness in my heart and you know all that. Like it came out in two thousand five. So. <laughs> in that bullet, yep, yes, it, it hit us right in the feels there. Yeah, at that time. Yeah, that's exactly what we needed in our teens. <laughs> <laughs> but like looking back at it now. Like, yeah, the movie has dark elements, but it's really not that dark of a movie. No. Like, it's a good intro into horror, for sure. Yeah, like, it's a good kids' horror movie. Because, yeah. on the one hand, it, it's so interesting how you have the dynamics of uh, up above, among the living. It's very, like, drab and gray and dark. But then, among the living, it's very bright and the, colorful. The or the dead, sorry. <laughs> among the dead, it's very, like, bright and colorful. It's vibrant. And that's where, like, the majority of, like, the upbeat yes. songs come from. So where all of the upbeat songs come from. Yeah. So, I really like that dynamic. But I know I watched a video. I should have like rewatched the video. But there's a video of someone like commenting on that, on like the different meanings on why they thought that was, and it had to do with the Victorian era yeah. specifically. But of course, well, it, they were more free in the afterlife. Yeah, like I guess they weren't constrained by yeah. Uh, society. Yeah, and society's rules didn't matter at that point. They're all dead. So, yeah, because it's like no one cared at that point. Yeah, because like the arranged marriage, like they were constrained to do it for financial reasons. Well, I know I feel like Victor's family was hoping it would like raise their status while Victoria's family was they're like, we need money. Yeah, it's this or the poorhouse. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like overall, I feel like it's a, a very fun movie. A very good kid introduction to horror. It's got catchy songs. There's a little bit of dark and obviously some death. But yeah. it's not it's a movie about murder. It's not gory, it's not too heavy. It's still fairly light. Yeah. But it's like comparing it to other similar movies, it does fall Sure. It's like, it's one of those ones where like, for me, the parts that I really like, I really like, I feel mm-hmm. like they did a really good job, but the other parts that don't quite hit the mark for me personally, I feel like are still decent. It's not like they're terrible. It's just like not like, honestly, the, um, with the, the songs with the, the dead, I don't, those are my least favorite parts. Really? Yeah. Like I, I like the drab dark. <laughs> Stuff. But I, I do like the, the world of the dead. Like, uh-huh. it's interesting to me. Like, with the elder... Elder Grovenant? Yeah, like, <laughs> I love his character. Yes. I love at the end where he's like, yep, you're right, he's all yours. <laughs> yeah, and the, the characters are very distinct, too. Like, you yes. look at each and every character. And even, like, with, among the, the living, even though it's all, like, grayed out, everyone's a very unique shape. Yes. They have a very unique personality. So you can very much distinctly tell them apart. So like overall, well-made movie, but not my favorite, but still pretty decent. And among movies I'll watch over and over. 
I'll admit the nostalgia glasses uh -oh. did play a little bit of a role, but I give it an 8.25. Oh! It doesn't come close to Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> that one holds a special place. <laughs> But I do really enjoy this movie. I have and will continue to rewatch this movie over and over. I do love the music. I don't appreciate the spider, but but it's not Even quite as bad. Cute. That's a matter of opinion. Yeah, that's fair. You got me there. <laughs> but otherwise, I mean, it's it's a good, interesting storyline. It's a little deep. I I feel like it's interesting with the the murder mystery aspect of it and the connections and just the coincidence of it. The fact that the bad guy, Lord Barkus, comes back to the same town. Seriously? The the gall from... I know. Sheer audacity. <laughs> Rude. But we'll get to some of that as well later. Um, the karma with him, though, at the end. Yes. Oh, so satisfying. Oh, my God. He was his own undoing, and it was glorious. Yeah, you're just like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> just that, not anymore. Yeah, it's got like kind of like a bittersweet ending. I loved his ending yes. in particular. Yes. Just the we are amongst the living, he drinks that, and he walks off, he's like, oh crap, what did I do? And the maggot's like, not anymore. <laughs> Elder Gutnick, yep, you're right, he's all yours. <laughs> and the crowd just like, yes! <laughs> and slowly descending on him, and then just the final new arrival. That was beautiful. That was a nice touch. Loved it. Because it was... A very happy, joyous thing whenever they showed it earlier in the movie of there's a new arrival, there's a new friend, let's have a round of drinks, everyone. Like, it's a gathering and it's a party, basically, when someone else dies, which is kind of sad. But I mean, but it's like loved ones reuniting with exactly, loved ones and friends. Exactly. And, yeah, and so for the dead, it was a happy occasion. Yes. And Mayhew, when he passed and uh, Victor got that information and everything, at first he's like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, I can't believe you're dead. And Mayhew's like, actually, I feel great. <laughs> like, this is so much better. I can breathe. <laughs> Yeah. Which breathing makes a bit of a difference. Um, but, you know. But it was it was a very joyous, happy thing. And then at the very end, it turns very sinister very fast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I loved that little detail, that little difference in there. That was great. Most of the music, again, wasn't quite as good as Nightmare Before Christmas. There are certain songs, of course, like Emily's song... Mm -hmm. that I loved. But I do also love the exposition type song mm -hmm. of her backstory. Mm -hmm. So that one was fun. And it showed the differences in how lively the afterlife was in that movie. Yeah. So I really enjoyed it. I, I do love the difference, how everything was dull in the world of the living. And gray and blue and just very somber and uptight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Felt like everybody had a stick. 
in a very bad place. <laughs> but in the afterlife, it was all vibrant colors. It was fun. It was upbeat music. It was, you know, life everywhere, which it shouldn't have been. It's not what anyone was expecting, but it was there and it was fun and happy. Everyone was happy. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was really cool and a, a really nice juxtaposition there. Mm -hmm. I like the little details that they put in there, especially with stop motion. Like they do such a good job with it, but even little details with expressions, they take the time to do. So like when Victoria is sad at the wedding, when it's supposed to be a happy thing, and then she's like shell-shocked and just sitting there blank and dead-eyed at the, the dinner afterwards. It's just such nice details like that that really bring the movie to life, basically. Yeah, which, I mean, of course this came quite a bit after Nightmare oh, yeah. Before Christmas, but like seamless stop motion once again. Absolutely. Like, absolutely amazing. And yeah, as you said, the level of detail of expression, because I feel like at least older stop motion movies, they seem to think, oh, you're either really happy or really sad. And it's just like very extreme emotions while the these two movies are good at like the more subtle, like in between. Yes. Like There's one emotion that says multiple things. Yes. yes. It's not just one or the other extreme. It's a whole range of emotions. And a lot of those come with little nuances in the face mm -hmm. that they take the time and effort to put into these. And it shows. And it, I know it had to have taken hours upon hours just to film like one small scene. But it, the effort was not wasted. <laughs> it was beautiful. So for realism, hmm. it's another Tim Burton stop motion, so it's hard to... Yeah, I think I'll rate it a two, because there are parts that are like realistic, but you know, because of the fact that they do like do the coloration and stuff like that, they do... Oh man, this one's a tough one, but okay. It is tough. As far as, like, realistic points, with uh, Lord Barkus killing Emily, I mean, if if you've ever watched a, a crime show or two, <laughs> you know that there's people out there that do that type of stuff. Yeah. But He's where... He's basically a, a con man to the extreme. Yeah. Now, where he... It's a little bit less realistic is the fact that he went back to the same area. Now, of course, I under completely understand that at that day and age, they did not have the technology to prove it was him. Yeah. But I would imagine that town knew who Emily was, saw her with Lord Barkus, because they obviously were going to get married. But then, like, if she suddenly disappeared and he suddenly disappeared and then he came back, it's like you would think that there would be people in the town that would be very suspicious of him yeah. and be like, you know, we feel like you can't be trusted because you kind of disappeared the same time that she did. I also looked it up. And supposedly, I'm not sure if it was actually confirmed or not, but supposedly 
she had been dead for roughly three years. Yeah, three years is not long enough for someone to forget. No, especially for murder. Yeah. And granted, they thought she eloped and just disappeared, but still, they're going to recognize him. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And then at that time, seems completely reasonable for a family that is about to go into the poorhouse to want to marry for money. And, you know, there there's aspects of that era that ring to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that they were disdainful about marrying her off to that family in particular, the fish merchants. They were wealthy, but they were new money. Yeah. And... The, uh, the other family was supposed to be old money, so. Yeah. Very snooty. Yeah. Classism. <laughs> very, very strong. Very much. <laughs> yeah. But I guess this is more for the entertainment. But I, I do want to make the comment that I really like the fact that they didn't force Victor and Emily together. It's like, I like that they did have Emily have the realization that Victoria and Victor were the better match, not just because she was dead and he was alive, <laughs> but just he obviously cared for Victoria. And Victoria obviously cared for him. Like, she yeah. looked heartbroken standing by the pillar watching them. Yeah, and it's like, while he, I feel like he did care for Emily, I think is because he is a, he's just a nice guy. Yeah. It's not because he's attractive to that necessarily. Yeah. He he felt honor bound to to fulfill his promise. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's like the whole situation with her coming back from the dead and all that, I just it yeah. yeah. Since it's such an integral part of the storyline, I have to include it in the realism, which is why I only gave it a two. So that's all I got. I keep going back and forth with mine, too, because it's it's really hard to rate this one. And as it is with most animated or stop-motion animation-type movies, the realism, for the most part, gets tossed out the window. Yeah, but in a good way. (laughs) It does, and it's very entertaining, and it definitely has its place. For sure. Not disputing that at all. But when they try to make it at least somewhat realistic in the movie itself, like with the Victorian era and everything, and the state of dress and and corsets and and all that, it's and the hierarchies and everything, it's just very difficult to rate it and not be too harsh, but also be fair. So I think two is is fair. I keep going back and forth between, like, a 1.5 and a 3, and I just... It's hard. And I have big questions, again, so... (laughs) So I think a 2 is fair. I was surprised that with the level of attention to detail that they put in the movie, that they kind of mix up which finger the ring was put on initially. Oh, they did. Um, Because he put (laughs) it on her index finger first. When he was practicing his vows. Yeah. And then when the hand goes back underground and then comes back and grabs him, it's then on her ring finger. Also, it looks like a branch. It was dark. It was dirty and all. And then when it comes back up and grabs him, it's completely clean and bone white. Yeah. 
Like, it does, whenever he first puts the ring on, it does look more like a branch than yes. it. Hence why he made the mistake, because well, if you actually saw a skeletal hand sticking out from the ground, you would probably, yeah, that'd be a bad day. Well, you probably wouldn't see a skeletal hand. You might see a bone sticking out because the ligaments and all would keep it together. So, I mean, you wouldn't necessarily see it unless it was just laying on the ground, completely supported, but with the elements, you probably wouldn't anyway. Again, animated movie. <laughs> Gotta suspend a little bit of reality, but just saying. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure how the afterlife world itself worked either. I don't understand. Was it a different dimension or was it legit underground? Because they kind of made it sound like it was basically under their feet. Because <laughs> she was asking where they buried. Like they were just going to walk over there. See, for me, I kind of thought of it as like a parallel dimension. Yeah. Where like their world was a reflection of the living world, but they could. it's not like they could just pop out of the ground. Well, I also wonder if it is a different dimensional, how was she able to tell others her story in the afterlife if she was laying under the tree that whole time? Well, I mean, with people being buried in the world of the dead, they can still, like, walk around and stuff. So that's why I was like, I think, like, their spirit goes to a parallel dimension. Like, maybe, like, depending on where his parents were buried, if they were buried, there's, like, maybe someone's soul tends to congregate in that area, but it's not like they're necessarily trapped in the area. Like, maybe she's like, oh, if they're, like, across town, then maybe, uh, or buried across town, then maybe that's where their spirits will more than likely be. Yeah, but if that's the case and they're separate, then they can't quite be entirely separate. Because when he put the ring on her finger, then she grabbed him. Like, I feel like that was, like, and chased him. a magical thing. Like, maybe it transported her body, or her soul, back into her body temporarily? I don't know. It's kind of weird. It just seemed off enough that I have questions about how it actually works. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that, that definitely, the transition, especially, like, how difficult it was for them to be able to go back to the world of yes. the living... Yeah, it doesn't seem... And be able to interact with it when it's supposed to be a haunting spell. The only thing else I can think of is if, since she did die so tragically, if it's like almost like her body, that area was haunted, and so she was just congregating there, and she was like listening to him, and then him putting the ring on her finger allowed her to like become physical in that world. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. But I got questions about it. <laughs> so I counted off for it. I, I did count off for the talking bugs as well. <laughs> it wouldn't have been as big of a problem if it was only in the afterlife world. But when the maggot was talking and everything in the world of the living, they were able to understand him too. So. I also have to wonder, since he is so brightly colored as well, if the maggot was technically dead as well. Like, and why, okay, yeah, that does bring back the question, like, well, if that is her spirit and not her body... Then why is he eating on her? Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah. Like I said, I got questions. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Why have you done this to me? <laughs> I just accepted the, the the lore of the movie, and now you just you didn't question it. Yeah, I just like this is fine. This is possible. I'm just here to ruin your childhood. Uh, not childhood. This came out when we were teenagers. Yeah, we were still kids then. A Nightmare Before Christmas that came out when we were we we kids. Yeah. Now. The arranged marriage things I understand, and because it was an arranged marriage, I can easily see like her parents seeing a better option available when Victor is thought to have run off with someone else. Like this guy is a lord, he's available and he's here and he's willing. So we're trading up, <laughs> and her having not really a say in the matter, unfortunately, is fairly accurate as well. Again, the the sadness that she displays and then the shell-shocked, dead-eyed look at the reception was fairly accurate as well. I love that she told him off right after the dead arrived and he's like, let's get out of here and grab your dowry. <laughs> we don't have any. <laughs> I did count off also for the cutlass versus the serving fork because no. Funny as it is and interesting as that whole scene is, it, no. Especially when Lord Barkas is a big, strong dude, and Victor's a, a twig. So, <laughs> I'm gonna call it like I see it. <laughs> Did you hear about the... Yeah, you've heard about the, the whole theory with Victor, right? Which one? How he's like Jack Skellington? Yeah, I've heard that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, and a and lot of it's based on his dog, too. Scraps. Yeah, because isn't he supposed to be uh, connected in Frankie and Weenie? Yeah, there's a theory about it. I I don't quite subscribe to it, but yeah, because the, I can the see how other people would the time the date yeah. of each of those is like very yeah very often. <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, mean, obviously, they take inspiration from previous yeah character because it, it's easier to create a new character based off of an older character than to create just new characters. Anyways, sorry. Back to the serving fork. Oh, we. <laughs> if the serving fork can go through a seat of a wooden pew like that, then there's obviously a problem with that pew. Like the wood was super rotten and or thin. <laughs> like that, no. <laughs> Also super, super freaking strong serving fork. What is that thing made of? <laughs> I can see the villain being smarmy enough to and, and cocky enough to drink the wine as an extra FU to Emily and gloating and thus killing himself. <laughs> being stupid. Oh, so sad as my so sad. He's just like, yes. <laughs> Love that. That's one of the best villain deaths. Love that for her. <laughs> love that for her. <laughs> well, I love that everybody else in the afterlife supported her and really cared about her and were genuinely upset for her and on yeah. her behalf that he did that to her. So when he killed himself, basically, <laughs> then they were like, and now's our chance to get revenge for you, sweetie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let us take care of you. 
<laughs> Though, whenever you finish your last point, I do want your take on, like, Emily at the very end becoming butterflies. So that actually was a bit of my, my musing at the end there in my last point. I'm wondering, I couldn't find it anywhere. I tried to research what they based that particular butterfly on. And the closest thing I can come up with is the purple emperor butterfly, which actually has been known to feed on dead flesh. That's my wondering if that was the butterfly they based it on. I don't know. I couldn't find anything to confirm or deny it. Well, it's like the thing that confused me is I'm like, obviously they're showing, oh, she has come to peace. She's moving on. Well, they're also a, usually a symbol of transformation. But yeah, was... but it's like none the people in the world of the dead, it's not, they don't hint that they're in purgatory waiting to move on or anything like that. It's just, it's kind of weird. It's like... It, it's like, now that she's dead, and then she became even more dead, does that mean that, <laughs> that like, she's in heaven? Or, like, where, like, what That's happened to her? Kind of how I took it was she, she moved on. But then what about, like, the other people that didn't have grudges that were, like... I feel like most of those died suddenly. So maybe they they weren't ready to quite let go. And a lot of them honestly looks like they were having fun in that afterlife. So they might not be ready to move on yet and find peace. Yeah. It's just kind of weird because it's like yeah. they didn't hint at that being a possibility at all. They they very much made it seem like, oh, we're, when you die, this is where you end up yeah. and this is where you stay. And then at the end, they're like, surprise, there's a, there's a, a level, there's a transition beyond being dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I understand the symbolism of her mm -hmm. moving on, but still, like, lore-wise was a little confusing. Yeah, for sure. But I do wonder if that's the butterfly that they based it on as well. Yeah, I'd be interested to know. They're gorgeous, too. I don't know if you've seen them. Mm -mm. Yeah. I'll show you later. <laughs> so, But for our viewers out there, go look up the Purple Emperor Butterfly. They look... Some look kind of more blue, and others look purplish. So, But they're so pretty. So, yeah. <laughs> That's what I got. Yeah, like... Overall, I feel like it's one of those movies where if you enjoy Tim Burton films, then you will enjoy this one. Yeah. But if you're not, like, a huge fan of stop motion, and maybe it's, like, you thought the Nightmare Before Christmas was okay, and you weren't necessarily, like, a huge hardcore fan, then this one would probably be a skippable movie. But, like, overall, for the, the average movie-going person, I feel like they'd find it entertaining at least <laughs> but thank you so much for joining us today and please comment on what you thought of the movie if you'd like to recommend a movie game or tea and keep up to date with our content you can find us on youtube twitter instagram facebook tiktok discord and most places you listen to podcasts and if you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe, like, and share our content. If you'd like to support us monetarily, we do have a PayPal donate button or our lovely Teespring with spoon merch available. If you're along with feeling spoony. And along with these cups and other <laughs> clothing things. <laughs> All of the sites mentioned will be linked down below. 
<laughs> and until the next time, guys, stay safe and stay spooky. Bye! Bye.